uh, and it's called 27 by 2, which is a reference to me being 54 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I've lived the life of, of two dead rock stars already. Listening to Playtime's Playcast, the arts with a bit of activism, with me, your host, author, artist, and playwright, W.C. Turk. On this episode of Playtime's Playcast, I chant with Cosmic Bulls' Mark Vickery. The new EP is out in March, and we'll bring you an exclusive peek at the new songs. Plus, as usual, I totally overthink the origins of the band's name. Now we've shed all the bees and we've smoked all the trees until we're sated. Cause no one we know believes we're behaving like thieves except the hated. And it's so cold. After a 20 year hiatus, Mark Vickery has returned to the music scene with the luscious sounding musical project. Cosmic Bull. Cosmic Bull releases its first EP in March. Woven among expertly layered music are smart, poignant lyrics, sort of like if the thes Matt Johnson read a book or Coldplay's Chris Martin wasn't writing anthems for obsessive male stalkers. Did I, did I just say that? Cosmic Bull's latest single is Joe Namath Moment, available for just a dollar. Just a dollar. And we have a link to the notes below at cosmicbull.bandcamp.com. Dot com. How are you, sir? Welcome to my living room, by the way. Oh, that looks lovely. It's <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks. I like I like you saying luscious sounding too. That sounds very cool. It really, it really is. And and I have to say, I, I really wasn't familiar with your music. So my first introduction was uh, was Joe Namath moment, which we'll we'll okay. talk about in more detail here in a little bit and this is how i operate when it comes to music if music comes to me and it's not it, it doesn't immediately grab me but there's something substantive about it i'll listen to it again and again because i feel that i need to grow into that music if that makes if that makes sense okay you found yourself doing that with this stuff with I, I i i thoroughly did and brother now I'm a massive fan. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. Wow. I should take 20 years off more often. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we only had all that time, man. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that was it. You know, when I first, when I kind of stepped off the scene, I was like, yeah, I'm getting too old to do this. And now I'm like, if I don't do it now, how much more time do I have to do it? Right. So well, it, you will it, not to do it. It sounds like you've you've found you've found your time and your space to really let your your talent shine. Thank you. I've it's, also found the right people. To yeah, work. and we're going to talk about great band that you've got behind you and and Paul von Mertens as well. But so we just started this uh, uh, the podcast. We were we were on radio. I get to welcome people into my into my living room now. Basically, the, we've we've reached a time where the technology uh, has made the world more accessible. We talk with friends and artists and creative people 
literally all over the world. I think I, I think on the radio show we were talking with people in. Uh, I I think at at one point we reached forty or forty two countries. I think by uh, oh, by one count, including okay. talking with a political prisoner in Turkey. Wow, uh, who was creating her work in in her prison cell. So we've been yeah, a creative and, element to the to the link, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm I'm really excited about this. And um, I'm not following the woman in the Turkish prison, am I? That's a, no, that's a no, no, no. Actually, you, you're following uh, Steve Torme, Mel Torme's son. <laughs> oh, okay. That's yeah. tough too. Right on. Who's who's got an extraordinary album out, and he's he's about to do a do a tour in Europe, and which which brings which brings me back to 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 what you're you're working on you're working on music for for the ep or is this or are you just bringing together the the four songs that you've already released oh no so the four songs that are already released are singles on their own right this okay. ep that's coming out of which joe name at the moment is the first single uh-huh. is a six song song cycle i was describing this to somebody else it's not really a rock opera Every one of the songs stands on its own. It doesn't, you're not going to not understand what's going on by listening huh? to it. You get Joe Namath, Joe, Joe Namath moment just by listening to that song. But what it does is it fits in what I found is a sort of narrative to the whole piece. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's called 27 by 2, which is a reference to me being 54 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I've lived the life of, of two dead rock stars already. And so I want to <laughs> show my knowledge on <laughs> the people who want to listen to this. And, and, and hopefully it's it's worldwide. I mean, it's great that your show goes to so many places. That's really fantastic. So Indeed. it's nice to be part of that. Why, why not a follow-up to your first self-titled album instead of a band vehicle like Cosmic Bowl? It still is. I mean, I think, right, because you're, you're referring the, to the uh, CD I put out 20 years ago. It's just yeah. my name on it. Um, yeah. uh, that was about as much of a, of a band construct as this is. I just mm-hmm. didn't have the name Cosmic Bull yet. Which okay. Is, All right. I think it's a really cool name. <laughs> so I just use it on everything now. And everything that I'm in, uh, uh, associated with is going to say Cosmic Bull on it. That could be with other, you know, as a, if I guessed on somebody else's records, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that, I would probably try to use Cosmic Bowl rather than my own personal name. It's, um, it's, it's a very cool name. Uh, is it, it, there's, there's a, uh, I, th- I believe there's a, there's a con, a concept in, in Islam, Koyutha, I, I, I think is the, uh, is the name where it's a, uh, the, the Cosmic Bowl is, is carries an angel, um, or an angel who carries who carries the earth on its shoulders. I, I think is it is that is there any reference to that, or no you just clue. love the name? Co- I Cosmic think that's Bowl. awesome. I have uh-huh. never heard of that before. All right. <laughs> you know what? I, I, and I just I just pulled it up. The bull is said to stand uh, on the giant fish or whale Bahamut. Uh, the bull is variously described as having forty thousand horns and legs, uh, and as many eyes, ears, and mouth, and tongues in the oldest sources, the number of appendages, this is from Wikipedia, I just pulled it up, can vary in later versions. The breathing is said to control the tides of the ocean. So you, you, you've, so you've got wild. that going for you. That's great. Boy, I, now I, I have the concept <laughs> for the next song cycle that I come out with. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's great. No, Cosmic Bull to me was more just like, if I'm not doing something creative, I become a kind of a miserable person so for me even if it did let, let's take the, the the cd from 20 years ago it didn't mm-hmm. do very well i didn't i think the songs were fine i think there's it was it was really good it was well produced by ellis clark who's a, a friend of mine mm-hmm. and uh, i think everything was 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 right on i just didn't i didn't really have the 
the gumption to, to kind of push it forth and play a bunch of gigs and get people reintroduced to what I was trying to do from a songwriting perspective. Cause I'd been in like some jam collective, this, uh, this awesome band called Sumo oh. for a number of years and been collecting songs or as I'm writing them and put them all aside and then did this whole CD. Once I did that, it kind of became like a departure. Uh, I got, I did it and stepped off the scene kind of. When I did that, I didn't really have anything creative to back that up and that became a problem. And then I became, you know, a little sour as a person and then I kind of needed to kind of get back into something creative. So I did. Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt the cosmic bull was to me. Got to keep riding it. It may throw you, but you got to get back on. I mean, then it is, you know, as all any rodeo rider will tell you, it's, uh, it's the most important thing is to get back up on that bull. Over profession. Yeah, I've, I've done some of that. I yeah. would like to do more. It's good money, but um, it's a tough. It's a tough business right now. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody thinks they can do it. Anybody can do it if you can read. Yeah. And they're not really looking for for voices that I mean, they're looking for normal people voices. They want the next door neighbor to tell them what product to buy. They don't really want this announcer guy to come out, unless yeah. it's a joke. Unless it's um, there's a guy up in the North Shore who does all the. Tony the Tiger things now and all those things. He's fantastic. He's really great at it and he makes a ton of money, but he's like the only person that gets those games. So it's like, it's, it's pretty rough. Plus, you know, they, it's like things like Fiverr, not to, not to dock them, but they do basically have people do for $50 what a union professional would get paid $5,000. Right. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a changing business. Of course, I chose that exact time to get into it right as it was changing. And like I said, I did some stuff from video game advertisements and some other things. And if you can read pharmaceutical copy, that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there really is a talent to reading that sort of copy. I, I, David W. Burner, who works on WBBM, is, is a dear, dear friend. He's a great author. I just had him on, on the show the other day talking about a, a, a book project he's, he's working on uh, on the, mm -hmm. the, the online publishing platform, Substack. But to emote properly and correctly is, is, is a talent. And, and, and I, I think we just need to ride this period out a little bit. I was in advertising. I had my own advertising agency many, many years ago. One of my first clients was a, was a guy uh, who, who had an auto body store, Lions Auto, out in Lions, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I did, I, 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 I went to him with a logo and a tagline and he looked at it and said, it's good, but you know what? I could do that. I could, I could say mm -hmm. this stuff, you know, I don't know why I need to pay you, but there's, there's a reason that, that you pay for for advertisers and for voiceover artists and for, uh, for, for people who speak for a living that mm -hmm. there's there's a professionalism there's a standard there's a there's a there's a uh, a line quality and there's there's that emotive aspect that uh, that you know you you hit the right words and the keywords where they need to be hit um, with you know and 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 then there's this in, in speaking which I, I don't have to tell you you know that 
people tend to trail off when they get into a you know when they finish a sentence mm-hmm. sure. as opposed yeah. to as opposed to building up and and ending up yeah. on a high note you know which you punch, yeah you gotta punch what they want punched you precisely. know you're selling something after all you know? precisely I come from a radio background. I had 10 years in radio as a WCT. Uh, I ran uh, an internet uh, and low power AM station here in, in the city Q4 radio. And, and then I was, was on WCGO for, for a number of years before moving over here to podcasting. But I'm trying to bring a level of, of professionalism and, and even structure to, to podcasting, which I think anybody can do podcasting, but I don't think everybody should podcast <laughs> yeah. probably goes for most things i would imagine <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i could see that I, I, I did some podcasts myself i was the host of, uh, for people who were who were doing music and actually making a living off of it even though they weren't you know, household names yet they weren't yeah. signed to labels they were making it work somehow either they had another job or they just worked work their butts off you mm-hmm. know doing gig after gig after gig um and met some really interesting people had some great conversations in that but it, as you know, doing podcasts, you really do have to have a backlog of, of material to draw from because if you got to put something out every week or whatever it is, uh, you better you're going to run into some difficulties when and in scheduling conflicts and stuff. And yeah. if you don't have it together, you're going to miss some dates. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened to me. And then I kind of again, I was like, you know, not really. A, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm not a podcast listener, but at the time <laughs> that I was doing a podcast, I really mm-hmm. wasn't listening to many podcasts, so I really wasn't learning about how to make them better you know so it was it was a little stagnant unlike the music that i'm working on right now because i think I'm there you go in this yeah. zone of creative activity and not just from my own songwriting although it's that's obviously where it starts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but with people like paul von mertens playing saxophone and producing some of my stuff and then scott tallarita over at trigger chicago who did a magnificent job on this ep i mean he brought into stuff brought in sounds and wow. textures that i would never have even dreamed of doing and he made it seem so easy it's really really great I'm very it's, lucky. the music is is really beautifully layered yeah i and and i described it as as a luscious sound And the police I've been 
we had on the show Trevor Horn, and we were so we were talking production with him, and uh, especially his work with Seal. Yeah. Where where I, I had described his work as as this sort of three dimensional type of of production in which in which you feel that the music is wrapped around you that you're 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 sort of in this in this room or space of sound yeah. and I got that very same feeling from your work with Cosmic Bowl. That's fantastic. That's exactly the idea. Yeah. You know, you want to take somebody away you want to you want to kind of in, in, ensconce them in some in some new undertaking and that's yeah. actually what the narrative the thing is to uh, of it is as well yeah it's the middle-aged guy justifying his existence as a new music artist uh-huh. and kind of and and promising you know the world and, and enlightenment and everything yeah. and it kind of goes off the rails a little bit and that's where the joe namath moment comes in because he starts dabbling in a little light leisurely mm-hmm. but then kind of like but then, and, and then when the when the when it doesn't become what he wants it to become, the narrator and and the, uh, with the with the flock following, mm-hmm. he at least justifies it by saying, "I tried. I tried to bring people together. I tried to do this." So it's almost like a, I don't know. It's part of my sense of humor to kind of have something that's not overtly positive throughout the entire thing. You can learn something through trial and error as well. And I guess I was kind of setting it up for well, in case people don't listen to it, at least I gave it a shot. <laughs> I the mean, lyrics. I don't think that- it's not a defeatist thing. It's just, and nobody's going to really get that. I don't think, unless you really follow what it is I'm trying to explain about it. I, I listen to lyrics. The lyrics, um, the the lyrics are, are 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 brilliant and interesting, and and really really tell a story. You know, I, uh, I was just talking with uh, with Steve Torme, and he and he was watching the uh, the new Beatles documentary as as they're improving the music, they're making up the words sort of as they go along, uh, filling in over sound. You know, where they're like, yep. "Oh bloody, oh blada," I suppose. Uh, but sure. but then they're they're kind of carrying that that nonsensical um, sound uh, verbal sound throughout throughout the song until they can until they can fill in in the yeah, lyrics that's right is is that is that a common technique is is because I find a lot of meaning in in the words uh, in cosmic bull songs in, in my mind I, I'm seeing you writing the lyrics and and then building the song around it but that may or yeah, may not it's, be true. It's, it's actually more of the beatles method okay. I'll, okay I'll just i'll come up with a groove that i like and the kind of the, the rule for me has to be it's got to be something i haven't done before yeah yeah it hasn't it can't be something i know it's like i'm not just gonna like go to something that that's an easy mid-tempo thing i have to mm-hmm. for instance joe namath moment is written on a cigar box guitar it's one of like two or three songs i wrote just with the just the just figuring out what the thing can wow. do yeah. jumping around chords and then you find your scat lines over it that fit together and then you can build a second part and have a chorus and if you keep going you'll have a, a song structure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. along the way some of those scat lines might infer a particular thing and i found when writing lyrics you really have to write stuff that's that's comfortable to sing because if it, it can be awkward it could be a great line but it's just if it's not if it's not hitting the music in the right way yeah, it, yeah. it may not be effective or it may, it may just be a little clumsy and people aren't listening to what you mean they're listening to how clumsy the sound is yeah so i think what those guys what, what the beatles are doing and i mean i don't think i even knew that that's how they wrote songs until i was watching get back but mm-hmm. um but it just for me it makes sense because then you have this you have the song 
You just yeah. have to finish yeah. it. Yeah. And I've got a whole closet full of songs. After 20 years of playing in my basement, <laughs> I've got a ton of stuff just waiting to come. But I, the thing is, I also wouldn't just go ahead and pull out something stale because I may have, first of all, I may have bit pieces off it uh, for the, something I've created more recently. And then that mm -hmm. is actually released. Mm -hmm. But I also want to keep moving forward. I want to kind of like maybe I've got all that stuff. I can pull something or a nice chord change that I haven't used yet. But generally speaking, I want to, again, come up with something I haven't done yet. What and if, so the, what if so you... the lyric then comes when I get a kind of a toehold on something that I mean to express or it's coming out naturally. If that happens, then I'll ask my, myself the question, well, who are the, the folks at home? Joe name at the moment. Yeah, Say hi yeah. to the folks at home. That's the last thing. And it kind of was the first line I think that I came up with for the song before I even knew what it was about. What you think about now? It's now too late. No time to think about it. Don't wait. With a face like yours, we can make a scene for the folks at home on that TV screen. Remember, you should know I used to be Mr. So and So. And now you say I ain't got no class. Happens to me nowadays Every time I make another pass Always call them like I see them What's, who are they? And I eventually wound up with the Monday Night Football debacle for <laughs> Joe Namath. I love the guy. And really the Joe Namath moment is the great Super Bowl victory in, in 1969 or whatever. But, you know, the Joe Namath moment that this is referring to is the cautionary tale of you're a middle-aged guy with one too many drinks and you don't make an ass of yourself <laughs> in front of young, just because you like, you basically, you're take, what he did wrong uh, in, on Monday Night Football was he, he basically took away this woman's professionalism and that yeah. wasn't right to do. He didn't yeah. mean to. I don't think he was, I just think he liked her. Yeah. And he was drunk. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what actually cleaned him up because I've seen him on commercials. He's probably pushing 80. He looks great. So he probably he may have cleaned up after that very moment for all I know. And, and for me, I wanted to just use that as what I consider public domain, something that happened uh, that millions of people know of and use that as what I what I meant to express about being a middle aged guy. The other half of, of Cosmic Bull, is, as we mentioned before, is a seasoned multi-instrumentalist arranger, Paul Von Mertens, who played with Mavis Staples, Poi Dog Pondering. Uh, we've had uh, Dag Julin, uh, who's, uh, uh, who's also a Poi Dog Pondering alum mm -hmm. uh, on, on the show a couple of times. What does he bring to, to fill out the sound of uh, a Cosmic Bull? Well, for this EP... The only thing that Paul did was he played the uh, saxophone solo for Joe oh. Damon. He has produced singles of mine in the past. And uh -huh. what he does is he brings a sense of, well, real professionalism, as you were speaking of before, uh, yeah. of the music. He will, he will kind of ground it. Uh, if, I'm, if I bring him something that's kind of a sketch on guitar, he'll immediately find the chords, flesh them out on piano, or or he'll he'll put he'll put like whole whole uh, horn section swells behind it. The greatest feat in the Miami Heat. There was a time that no one ever told me no. I never thought there'd be a 
folks at home, folks at home, folks at home. Say hi to the folks at home. Say hi to the folks at home. Say hi to the folks at home, folks at home, folks at home. You should know I used to be Mr. So and so, so so. He'll take something and he'll 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 create it uh, in the way that classic songs are created because he he likes the stuff that I'm coming out with too and I think he senses a, a level of classicness that's coming out of of these songs where the where the choruses are and mm -hmm. and, and this and that. He's working on one of mine right now, in fact. Uh, it really does. It sounds it sounds really tremendous. <laughs> I'm working on. Our, uh, I just completed a a screenplay that's going out to a uh, to a film production house in. Uh in LA and a, a partner of mine is, is selling it, but I've also coaxed um, and encouraged input from him on, on the storyline and, and, uh, and characterization. But man, when I, when I got criticism or suggestions, I had to, to stop myself from really taking it personally. Hmm. And songwriting is, is no different that there's, there's a lot, there's all of you in, in that. Yeah. So then turning it over to, to someone like Paul, how, how are you able to, are, are you looking, are you looking at the, at the total project and realizing the, the importance of that collaboration to, to really making it the very best it can be? Or are you fighting with, with, within yourself, that ego of, I can't, I can't give away all of it. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think I feel that way because okay. I. Uh, the main reason to get somebody like Paul involved yeah. or yeah. Scott Tallarita uh, is because they brings to they bring to it something that I don't have. Yeah, I feel yeah. like what I'm doing is giving them a two dimensional blueprint of what mm -hmm. the song is eventually going to sound like, even though it's the whole song. Mm -hmm. Even though yeah. I could go up with an acoustic guitar on a stage and perform it and people would get the idea what the song is about completely. But as far as getting that, and I really look at, at singles and, and album cuts as something that are really can stand the test of time if they're good enough. I mean, you can be listening to it 50 years from now. I still listen to people that died 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the music's so good. So when I bring in somebody like Paul or Scott to this, I, I already, I'm already entrusting a, that they're going to, that they're going to dig it, that they're going to like the song that they're working on. And that they're not going to be too critical about like, hey, you know, this changes aren't right. Because I've worked yeah, with people yeah, like yeah. that too. It's like, well, you didn't do it the way that in music theory they teach you how to. I'm like, I don't care about music theory. I don't think Colonius <laughs> Monk was aware that he was changing modes in the middle of a, you know, of a composition. He just did it because he's <laughs> what, he, what he heard and he just went for it. And so I think that's what Paul is. I just compared myself to Thelonious Monk, by the way. And I don't. I, I think I want to retract that. <laughs> well, let it go. I, I, I think you're doing. I think you're doing I think some great stuff. I just stepped on a landmine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, when it when when Paul or Scott come in, they don't really they don't judge that. They're like they say yeah, that's a yeah. Mark song. That's a that's a thing that I could hear Mark doing. Okay. And and uh, then they say, okay, I think I can build this out. Now, one yeah. thing I did go back to Paul on, and this is the song that he's working on right now. He gave it the real Brill building finish mm -hmm. initially mm -hmm. and i said you know 
I want to go and I wrote it on a ukulele, but I left all these open notes on it. Mm-hmm. So it was letting the, and I do that a lot with guitars and with the cigar box thing. And I try to let the instrument do as much work as possible. Mm-hmm. So I can a remember the, how to do the song because it's super easy and B because it sounds different. It sounds more, there's some, maybe some drone aspects to it or something that just kind of comes off a little bit and then it becomes part of my style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll say, well, listen to these open notes on the uke. And he goes, oh, so it's a little different. So it's a little darker. And so suddenly he goes back to the keyboard and he's playing not brill building stuff, but stuff that more aligned with what I was looking for in the first place. A little, uh, like a different angle, a way to re-enter the the stratosphere, you know, at the right angle. Maybe you're not the kind who's tied to shell But I get on down on my one good knee You could take my head and cure my vanity Hey now, listen girl Story goes that I once shined the world down, down, down But now it's true, I'm only shocking you And that's rare that that even has to happen because usually it's like oh yeah i got you and it's just the whole thing gets filled out it's lovely it's it's a it's a very rare partnership that that allows uh, a collaborator to be able to look back and and see what what you intended and and see what what is is a little bit missing in 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 building that final that final product i I, like i said before i just feel very lucky that i have people to work with who get what i'm doing yeah. I mean, I'm I'm left-handed, except for when I play guitar. So it doesn't really affect my guitar playing that much. But when I write on a keyboard, uh-huh. I'm actually thinking of it backwards. Wow. Writing on chords, and I'm thinking like, and I usually do something like, it's more sophisticated when I write on a keyboard because I'll be using four-note chords rather than three-note uh-huh. chords. Uh-huh. Like, well, it doesn't count unless I've got four. You know, and the, the change has to be another four-note chord. And I'm usually adding the pinky on last, yeah. thing by the left hand. Yeah. And there's usually, I'm adding, that's the root, usually. And I'm not even thinking of it like, I think I'm playing in D and like, no, Mark, you're in G. That's really interesting. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if, that, if that reversal doesn't somehow deepen or strengthen your songwriting. I, I would like to think it does. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't really care. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's just how I, it just works. How, how I do it. And it's fun to do it that way. I don't want to take the fun out of it. Yeah. I even told Paul, if I were through this back at me, cause I forgot that I had told him this. I, I told him that I, I just want to be the, magi- the magician who doesn't know how the trick is done. <laughs> so I'm actually pulling off the trick, but I still am, am innocent as to how the magic works. Because, you know, we've had, we've had this conversation time and time again with innumerable musicians and, and authors and writers and painters and, and what have you about where creativity comes from. And, and I, I, you know, I, I've, I've got books in print. As, as I'm crafting a novel or a story, I, I want a character to go left in the story and they'll go, no, I, I'm, I'm going right. And, mm-hmm. and, at, and at some point, there's, there's a, a point outside of, of, of us as artists that seems to take over and guide us. Is You trust that, right? Yeah. 
you're yeah. not really questioning it, especially when you're doing it. I think if you if you're in the middle of creating something and you start questioning right away, I yeah. think that's why people can't get off the schneid. If they're like, well, I would like yeah. to be able to write a song, but I can't write anything. I well, here's a chord. Yeah. And now you're judging. Is this the right chord to start with? Well, no, of course you can't write a song then. Yeah. You have to find something first. You got to dig a groove, find it. Yeah. Put something over the top of it and just keep building. And and if you want to judge it after that, go ahead. Yeah. And if you think it's crap after that, maybe it is. Probably is. Most songs are crap. I'm sure. <laughs> Most <laughs> ones I write are. <laughs> you know, la- last week on on the show we were talking with uh, with Martin Barr from Jethro Tull, and he he was talking about he, the way he began playing was, you know, he, he was in clubs, he was exploring, he's a multi-instrumentalist, but it, it took him, it took him time in order to, to discover his, his musical voice. Based upon what you just said, do you feel that, that you're able to find your voice now after X number of years learning and playing and that is is the ultimate conduit to to that that other inspiration that that other um that that river of creativity that that you tap into outside yourself yeah so the creativity never stopped well if if it stopped i realized i needed it back yeah um and and i've done some writing too if the music thing kind of feels like it's drying up for a while i've I've written stage plays and screenplays and Mm -hmm. um uh, so we'll have another conversation about that one day (laughs) all right uh but um with the time off it really because i wasn't coming back i wasn't ever going to do it again I mean, yeah. we're in extraordinary circumstances right now, and I feel I've got something to share. Mm-hmm. And I feel with this mm-hmm. unique perspective of being older, um, there's this, I know myself more, I know the world more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think when you listen to pop radio, I mean, it's hip hop now as opposed to like rock when I, when we were kids, but it's uh, the same stuff. It's all about coupling. It's all about, you know, you know, getting mm-hmm. lucky and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and that's just not what I'm writing about. It's yeah. not... I, I could try to do that. I don't think it would work. I, if it, I have a lot of perspective on relationships and on um, communication with people. And I mm-hmm. think that's, that's what I'm going to continue drawing from. Do I have more confidence? Yeah, way more. Cause I, now I know where I am, where I fit in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I know also what I don't care about pursuing, you know, yeah. frankly, that's another thing that happens when you get older. You're like, you know, I'm just not going to ski down that black diamond hill this time. <laughs> I don't have to see what I'm made of, you know, uh-huh. I, I know what's going to happen, probably. <laughs> <laughs> To dangle my feet in the water so sweet and revitalized And I'll be driving my car, doesn't matter how far to realize it To where we broke ground In a place no one had found now that everyone knows to our people it shows where the prize is 
which, which is a great segue to to the song Unkindness of Raven. Is, is it based upon the graphic novel by uh, Dan Panosian? No, it's so great that you're coming out with all these great references. No, it's <laughs> probably not. It's it was a it was a. I researched this stuff, man. It was it was inspired by Greta Thunberg. All right, yeah, yeah. Sold at the UN, and the so I was like, yeah, there's, there does this does need to be addressed, and it was a mm-hmm. the song that I had. I didn't have lyrics for, but I did have the whole thing as I was describing the process before. Yeah, yeah. A really easy, very very simple. If you saw how this is played on, the, on an acoustic guitar, you'd be like, oh my god, you could have a lobster claw for a hand, and you could play this song. <laughs> So no one believes we're acting like thieves by our actions, which is which is yeah, so the, right. So the lyric came from directly from me responding in a way that I felt responsible for part of what climate change is. And, yeah, and and it, it really is a sad song because it doesn't end happily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I'm being realistic. And when the bird of truth is no doubt, and That's when we'll see the proof that a way of life was not worth saving. It, it is kind of an indictment, and which, which brings to mind, uh, mind the the arts and activism, and the importance of of speaking to things musically, in, in literature, poetry, uh, visually. However, did did you set out to to do that in this song? Um, I don't know that I wanted to be an activist about it, but I felt okay. a responsibility toward the issue itself. If that okay. Makes sense. It does. I know that I was I'm trying to rally people even. I yeah. think it's, it's a song. It's a it's a it's like a sad lullaby. Yeah, really. It's a uh, and that's kind of the way I looked at it. And I thought there was a place I, 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 I as I was saying, I think early on here, mm-hmm. I always look for a justification uh, for why I'm doing what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. And if I can do that, especially when I'm writing something, if I'm re- writing lyrics or if I'm writing a story or whatever, there has to be some reason that it exists, not just because I think it's fun or it's yeah. interesting to me, but because it, it deserves what I consider a place mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for for others to to consider it, to enjoy it, to tear it down, whatever they want to do. But but to put it out there and have it be part of what the lexicon of new ideas are. Now we've shed all the bees and we've smoked all the trees until we're sated. Cause no one we now believes we're behaving like thieves except the hated. And it's so cold to hear that we. The song is really the epitome of progressive pop. It's it's so beautifully done that you can you can easily from just listening to the music 
to engaging with the lyrics, which which I think is is the real power behind that song. Great, thank you. Uh, like I said, it's not a happy ending, but it's um it's a and it's not too on the nose either. And I think that's a key. If anybody's who is interested in, in, in activism and in art, or especially songwriting or storytelling, I would say never describe it exactly. No, don't tell me what it is you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm. around. Talk about what that makes you feel like or talk yeah. about what 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 exists because of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that's the key that's where the power comes from because that allows the listener to, to to bring the understanding of what the song is about then you graduated from the university of uh wisconsin in madison i did art i was going into broadcasting but yeah then i found drugs <laughs> <laughs> and i decided uh the drugs are telling me that you don't want to report the news. You want to uh-huh. make the news. So I'm, I was deciding I was going to make the news. So I got into art. I found out my limitations are in, in technology were, were quite considerable. So I wanted to do, and I still have a really great idea for visualizing music. So uh-huh. if you think back to um, Fantasia, the whole thing with like the strings were coming in. So in the sky, yeah. Yeah. Lines, there is a way to, I have a whole vision of how it all goes for like a, let's say a rock song. Let's say one of these songs from the EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, unkindness of Ravens, even that the pulse, the, the the rhythm is in the middle, and it's like the and it's so you have a black background, and everything is a color, is a basic color, mm-hmm. and the size determines the volume, the color deserve, determines the the timbre, and the effect determines the shape ultimately. So if it's a lead guitar solo, it's a yellow lightning bolt. So I have a whole thing mapped out for how to do that. I just don't have the technology for it. But anyway, so yeah, that's what I that's what I was pursuing in my studies See, uh, well i think i think we've grown into that technology so you yeah. you've had that right. idea exist then. that's right yeah but but now now i was just at an exhibit with uh with with uh, nfts uh, an immersive exhibit that was all based upon that very thing music that was manifested in in an immersive 360 degree or the almost 360 degree visual experience yeah. So it becomes part of that sound. You know? There's an acquaintance of mine uh, named Stephen Malinowski uh-huh. who does a good job with uh, mapping out a lot of classical music, classical pieces, Bach yeah. pieces. Yeah. His, you can kind of see where the lines are going and they light up as they are, are struck. As the mm-hmm. notes are. That's not exactly what I was, I, I, wanted, I would have it be more of a surprise and really kind of real punchy and, and filling in the space completely. I would do a, basically a few things differently than he's doing them now, but I also wouldn't be doing classical as much. Although I think if you kind of designed a system, you could basically just program it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could say this equals that. So you can, and this will get bigger as, as you increase the volume or whatever. Uh, and then you can have an artistic license over the top of that. But mm-hmm. really, if you had some sort of system like this, then you could actually teach music to people who can't even, who can't hear. That's brilliant. The colors alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or do you teach production, right? So people are yeah. listening to a, a well-produced song, a Beatles song, let's say, yeah. and you don't even hear that little piano tinkling in the back. Mm-hmm. But if you mm-hmm. see, oh, it's that, what's that little orange thing? You know, it's, it's the piano. So check it out. You can li- it's there. You can hear it. It's in the mix, but there it is, you know? Sort of so, engaging how, uh, we all, how we all learn, either visually or auditorily or, or tactically. You're, you're mm-hmm. engaging at least, at least two of those... Uh, uh, two of those those learning styles. And like you said, immersive. You can imagine going to a dance club oh. where everything is just beat and you just hear this boom, boom, boom. I mean, that would yeah, be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You would not be able to not move. It would be a one hell of an experience. When did you first pick up a musical instrument and what was it? Well, that was probably, uh, I was getting toy guitars when I was a young child. Okay. That was okay. Very into, and being b- b- being left-handed, virtually all guitars are oriented guitar. for right-handed. That's probably why I'm a right-handed guitar player because always, it was always put in my hand at four yeah. years old yeah. the proper way or the right-handed yeah. way. And so I just... I just had to learn it that way. Yeah. And I'm still not that great of a guitar player. I probably would be better if I actually learned how to do it lefty. But I was never really in it for the virtuoso aspect of it anyway. I always wanted to write songs. As soon as I took guitar lessons enough that I had all the chords and all the general basic scales down, I was like, all right, I got it. I'm going to go figure out how to write songs now. Has, has maybe being closer to home or being locked down, has that helped your creativity or your musical process at all? Uh, it's it's helped the availability of other people. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, not off yeah. doing other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I even put together a five song EP with my old college band. Uh huh. And we haven't seen each other in person in years. One guy's in San Francisco, one guy's in New Jersey, and I'm here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we did a, we did a whole EP based on just trading wave files back and forth. Wow. I don't think it really has affected my creativity. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I guess I'm I'm confident in what I'm able to hatch. And it doesn't really stop. So I'm just I'm just happy just collecting them and seeing what I can do with whatever new idea I come up with. Uh, you you never know what's coming. It has such a Todd A. Firewater post-apocalyptic sound to it. It's got that breathtaking build. And I'm, I'm wondering if if now after we've spoken, Paul Von Mertens wasn't wasn't behind a little bit of that build. And maybe it's just me transferring uh, some of the sounds that that I listen to regularly. On, on an earlier song, I heard even a little bit of, uh, of David Sylvain. I'm, I'm wondering who your mu- musical influences are wow those are that those are really interesting um i david sylvian or is it sylvain or sylvian which do you know uh, sylvian, I, was, uh, I believe it's sylvian yeah i was never really aware of that guy until i was already performing and somebody said you know you should check this guy out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i you know i just was a classic rock kid i mean i was always listening to that kind of stuff i never thought i could sing because i couldn't i had like i remember buying empty glass by pete townsend yeah and brought it home and I was trying to sing along with it. And I was, I couldn't because the guy's like an octave higher than I. <laughs> and I didn't realize it at the time. I was just like, well, I guess that's out. <laughs> <laughs> then you kind of realize that, it, well, no, you can actually hit plenty. But of then notes. Crash Test like, Dummies that. came out. And and that kind of sent me kind of screaming. <laughs> like, oh my God, no way. <laughs> and I'll tell you another one too. Uh, I was, I st- started off playing in Chicago clubs and I had this little combo. Uh-huh. And I just sat on a stool with my guitar and I kind of rap, sang a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eyes would be closed and I was just kind of just feeling it and just kind of getting in the groove. I come home one night and I turn on the TV and it's G Love and Special Sauce doing. Oh my- man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the same thing. I was like, oh no, now I've got to, now everybody's going to think I'm copying that guy. So I've got to like change <laughs> what I'm doing. And then you kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit and that led to the next thing to the next thing. Yeah. It was fine. It was, it was the 90s were a great time to be in a, a music. Uh, band or mm-hmm. more than one band which i was in the for most of the 90s and that was an excellent time it was like so heady with expectation and and interest and everybody seemed like it was going out to shows and, and checking yeah. out a lot yeah it was really something else um then you know life gets in the way and all that um what was the original question you were asking <laughs> i want to get back to that <laughs> just just who your musical influences are oh who the influences are yeah, yeah um yeah. I think once I discovered the sound and I discovered the groove, then people like 
Dr. John made a lot more sense to me. Okay. And so I would kind of like, I would kind of start listening to more of what he did. Yeah. And I think what he, he, he kind of, he was more steeped in the, in the traditional kind of boogie woogie stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I never became a good enough musician, frankly, to learn how to play those piano roles, you know? So I never, I just didn't, I just didn't, mm -hmm. but I knew that I was, whatever it was going to be. And I think maybe 20 years ago, I was like, yeah, I don't have enough of anything to really continue, but I totally do. <laughs> I just didn't think so at the time. But now that you say that, there there are hints of Dr. John sort of lurking in your music. Yeah, he's definitely, a, yeah, he's he exists in there just because it it's a it's a good place to feel. Yeah. So I don't sing like Lowell George, but a lot of those old Little Feet songs. Right, right. In the first couple, few albums, really, I think, same thing. I kind of, I just feel what I'm just kind of grooving along. Mm -hmm. uh, those will kind of be comfortable places for me to kind of exist musically. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to copy anybody. I mean, it's so funny because nowadays with everything in streaming and everything on, on the internet and everything's interconnected, they all yeah. want to know who you sound like. Trying yeah. for so long to sound like nobody but myself that it's like, oh, great question. <laughs> I have no idea now. I've just yeah. totally made my whole... It, it's it's a dangerous trap for, for an interviewer because you want to help sell your guest to to an audience who may or may not be familiar with them so you're you're pulling in in connections that you hope will kind of bridge that gap and and help and and help bring them to to your guest's music if you're too directly connecting or drawing direct comparisons to uh, between artists that that gets gets you into very very dangerous territory because it, it it kind of eliminates the uh the individuality of of uh of the guests you're trying to highlight well i'm sure people in the business would say quite the opposite because if you do sound just like somebody else that's how you're going to get on yeah. somebody's playlist that's how you're going to find that's how the algorithms are going to find you that's how greta van whatever their name is are so uh, popular, even though they're so derivative. It's exactly because they're so derivative that they're popular, yeah. I think. Yeah. But think about what you're giving up. All of this individuality, all of this new direction in sound, which is why people like Paul and Scott, I think, are so important to what I'm yeah. doing. Because if I was just recording and, and producing my own stuff, it would be real janky. Mm. <laughs> it would be very <laughs> lo-fi. I don't even think I can do stereo the right way. I think everybody can do mono. <laughs> slab <laughs> but that's always that's always sort of been the way that that the the big record companies often tend towards that most common denominator from a marketing standpoint that was true when i when i was first going to 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 rock clubs in in uh boy in in the late 1970s and and early 80s here in, in in and around chicago often you'd hear oh they sound just like cheap trick or they sound just like the hounds or or just like ministry or you know it, it was you know it, it was it was those same those same people making those same direct comparisons but those weren't the the people who were who were following those those critical artists who were out there exploring their their medium i mean think about Jimi hendrix yeah. He yeah. wasn't being as Jimi Hendrix as he could possibly be. Yeah. He would never have become who he became. There's no way to, there's just no, I mean, and he was so great that uh -huh. I think anybody was going to notice that it was just a matter of time, probably, as long as he was going to keep his mojo at that 
yeah. high wattage level. But I really don't think there's another way to do it. Frankly, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be enjoying myself if I was just trying to sound like somebody yeah. else. The uh, the EP uh, twenty seven by two is out in March. Any uh, uh, any plans on uh, on a tour or live dates? Yeah, that, that's something I definitely have been well obvi for obvious reasons been fielding a lot of questions on. Um, uh -huh, I don't uh -huh. have a band. I don't have a band together. Um, I I would be more than happy to make appearances and, and perform these songs, this, this stark acoustic guitar, whatever they're on, cigar box guitar, just do a, a set of, of, of it stripped down and maybe let people kind of gravitate toward it. This is really going to help is being on your show and, and you, uh, you know, being so, so kind about it. Those things will help, but I, I'd rather people listen to the songs before I go to all the bother trying to play gigs and stuff. Because yeah. I want yeah. it to be something that people understand before they get into it. I mean, you can learn it, I suppose. Mark Vickery is joined with Paul Von Mertens with the musical project Cosmic Bowl. They released their first EP, 27 by 2, in March. Their latest single is Joe Namath Moment, available for just a dollar a buck, which by the way, is not affected by the supply chain issues. And we have a link in the notes below for cosmicbull.bandcamp.com. Mark, thanks so much, buddy. Bill, thank you. This uh, has been really, really lovely. Thank you. When when the EP comes out, why don't you come back and and let's go through it song by song and break it all down and uh, and continue this conversation. Yeah. And if I can clarify one last thing before Please. we go, the EP was produced and Paul's on it. Okay. Paul Baumer yeah. is, yeah. is a good friend of mine. He's a great musician. Mm -hmm. It was produced, however, by Scott Tallarito. This this was uh, Scott. So that that one song you heard, uh, you never know what's coming to you. Yes. that was also Scott producing that one. Okay, as well. Okay. So at Trigger Chicago is where that one was, where a lot of these the swirly outer spacey kind of noises come from more. And so the uh, unkindness of Ravens was a was a Paul production. Uh, so so I'm, I'm working on two what? different levels right now. Um, Excellent. And that's, that's what the EP is. Oh, is. I appreciate that clarification. Thank right. you very much. Our thanks to Mark Vickery. Find out more about Cosmic Bowl by visiting the links below. And don't forget to hit subscribe for this podcast, Playtime's Playcast. I see, I will it take long.
it upon all day long. I see the wrong ways. Honey, leave that double talk for the lawyers. Grown-up Tom Sawyer's with a difference that says my way, your way, okay. But only one of us is going down. I'm a reasonable guy. Take a bite and then we'll see what's high. And we can celebrate the things done right.